right, and welcome in to another edition of Connor coverage. My name is Connor Riley. We do this every Tuesday. A little bit earlier tonight, uh, I have a personal engagement a little bit later on, so I won't be able to do this at our usual 8 o'clock time on Tuesday. Uh, we cover the latest in Georgia news, recruiting, what's up. Uh, obviously, tomorrow, big Oscar Delp commitment. Make sure to tune into that. That's going to be around 6.50. We will have live coverage of that. We will be on hand. Jeff Sintel and myself will be there covering Oscar Delp's announcement, he is the number 97 overall prospect in the 2021 recruiting class. More importantly, he's the number three ranked tight end. 6'5", 220 pounds. He's been Georgia's top target at this position, so to speak, for quite a while there. So, yes, Lucy uh, bowers Boykin, this is an early edition. Uh, this won't be the regular time, though. Maybe if it goes well, maybe going forward we do do it at 5 p.m. going forward if the uh, engagement is good. So covering the latest here with Georgia, what's going on and everything like that. Obviously, big game this week against number 11, Kentucky. Uh, Georgia has a bye week next week that it desperately needs, just given the way that they are banged up. I'm sure you guys are going to have a ton of questions tonight uh, regarding the latest on the injury situation, where we know who might be playing, who might not be. Obviously, I think the quarterback situation, I wrote about it this morning. It's not a controversy like some people want to drum it up to be. Kirby is always going to play the guy that gives Georgia the best chance to win. And I still think that's JT Daniels. And we'll obviously, I think, probably get into that tonight as people ask questions about the quarterback, where JT is health-wise, how much does Stetson Bennett you know, sort of help this offense. I do think some of the things that have been said about his running ability are a little overblown as far as using that as a difference maker. It's something that maybe happens three or four times times a game but it's not necessarily a whole game thing and then obviously six games left in the regular season and looking at the back half of the schedule other than the road trip to Tennessee it doesn't exactly look like a daunting stretch there I I would maybe even say that Tennessee game as it stands right now might be a tougher contest than that Florida game though that's not to overlook Florida in the slightest I do think they're gonna that Florida team is gonna be able to do some things and make things difficult for Georgia in that game there so uh Again, this is more a, a less structured show. Obviously, Kirby Smart's set to speak around 6.30 tonight, uh, so we won't bring you the latest from there. But this is really a show for you guys, turning it over. What questions do you have? Obviously, injuries are a big concern this week, uh, specifically at the wide receiver and quarterback position. What happens with JT Daniels and this quarterback situation really over the second half? I think it might play out pretty similarly to what we saw last season down the stretch there. And, you know, what is the ceiling of this Georgia team? Because – through the first six games of the season, they're the best team in the country. It's, it's okay to say that. There, there's no reason to freak out. And, and this Georgia team knows, as Kirby Smart came out and said on Monday, it's it's one thing to be the best team through the first six games. It's a different thing to be the best team at the end of the season on October 11th. And I think Georgia knows that. It's the ultimate team goal here that they have, and they know they have to keep doing things to be there at the end of the season. The defense has been phenomenal through the first six games of the season. I think we all thought this defense would be good as it even exceeded – those expectations there and the offense, while they've had a ton of injuries, it hasn't really mattered to this point other than the Clemson game where JT Daniels, I think was pretty clearly compromised at the start of the game there. This is an offense that is averaging, you know, just under 40 points a game. It hasn't mattered who's been there out there at wide receiver. It hasn't mattered who's been there at quarterback. The running game hasn't been explosive or at least as explosive as I think this Georgia program would like it to be. And they're still scoring points. And obviously the defense sets a lot of that up. But uh, you look in the second half of some of these games, the Arkansas game, the Auburn game, when Georgia needed, and even the Clemson game, that last drive there, when Georgia needed to drive the length of the field and to milk the clock and pound away that game, they've been able to do it. And that's a really encouraging sign because if you do these sort of things against lesser talented teams, though I'd point out Clemson, Auburn, and Arkansas are all ranked teams at this point in time. 
if you're able to do that there, it gives you the confidence and the know-how to do it against more talented teams. Because Georgia in the playoff and in, in, in the SEC championship game, they're going to face better teams. So sort of, you know, outlining where things are, where things are going. So at this point, I, uh, I turn it over to you guys on a Tuesday. Uh, questions that you might have. What do you want to know? Where things are going? Uh, preview for this Kentucky game this week. And obviously I mentioned earlier, Oscar Delpy is announcing his commitment tomorrow at 650. Dog Nation will be covering that. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, this is a good one from Greta here. We'll start off with this one. There we go. Um, what are your concerns about our last SEC opponent? So we'll start with Kentucky. Georgia's got, I believe, four SEC games left. Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, and Tennessee. Kentucky... I'm concerned – the concern would be if JT Daniels isn't out there because this Kentucky team has actually been not great in the past defense section. And if he's able to go out there and Georgia is able to get some receivers back, I think this Georgia offense is going to be really good on Saturday. I don't think this Kentucky team is going to score a whole lot. Uh, I don't think this is a dynamic offense. They only had 211 yards offense against Florida a few weeks ago. And while, yes, they're coming off a big win against LSU, Auburn was last week. Well, Auburn did some nice things in that game there. I still have questions about just how good that LSU team is and using a victory over that program to extrapolate what that means for a team against Georgia. I think this is going to be a hungry Georgia team. I think, again, I've said for a while now, this is a totally different Georgia team than even some of the very good ones I covered in 2018 and 2019. This team knows what it is playing for. It knows that greater things are at stake. And so because of that, I don't think they're they're sort of sleepwalking into the bye week here. I think they know they have a chance to go out and make another statement against a top 15 team in a game where – if you look at Kentucky's schedule the rest of the way, if Georgia were to somehow lose this game, there's a real danger of them not going to the SEC championship game because the rest of Kentucky's schedule after this point is sharp and soft. They've already played, they've already played Florida. They've already played LSU. Other than a road trip to Mississippi State, it, it's not a very difficult closing stretch there for the Gamecocks. They have to go play Vanderbilt. So you start to think, if Georgia were to somehow lose this game, it does jeopardize their ability to get to Atlanta, which I think is a big if, – if they're 12-0 going into that SEC championship game, even if they do play Alabama still, Georgia's going to be in a great spot there for a playoff. Florida, that's going to be – look, I know this Florida team's not great. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at that game. It is going to be a huge chance for Dan Mullen to sort of turn things around. Otherwise, they're probably looking at a 9-3 and season, a 10-3 and season if they win their bowl game and actually choose to show up for that this time. But – they come out, they, they, they play really sloppy on the road against Kentucky, and this is a Georgia team that, again, Florida's not a great passing team this year. While they, they were able to run the ball well against Alabama and really control the line of scrimmage there, I don't think they're going to be able to do that against this Georgia team. So they're going to throw a lot there at that game. It's going to mean a lot to both sides, obviously, I think especially with Georgia having lost in the manner that they did a season ago. But Florida right now probably doesn't scare me as much as, say, Tennessee, a team that that's Georgia's last SEC game on the road. That is an explosive offense right now. They're putting up points in bunches. I would point out, yes, it's against a Missouri team that's not that good at the moment and has real struggles there on the defensive side of the ball. And then obviously uh, against South Carolina this past Saturday. But Josh Heupel, his offense has done some really good things here in the SEC early on. They've been able to run the ball extremely well. Throwing the ball, maybe not quite there yet. So if you're looking for optimism in that game, Tennessee's defense is not that that good, and I don't think should pose very many problems. But that's going to be a Tennessee team, and we'll find out a real lot about them this weekend against an, uh, an Ole Miss team 
that is in an interesting spot. Obviously, two straight physical games against Alabama and Arkansas, and you have to go on the road up there in Knoxville. I think it's going to be a real interesting spot there for Tennessee that weekend. So that's sort of outlined Missouri, quite frankly, with the way that they have played so far this season. I don't believe that they're worth spending a whole lot of time on, just given their defense is so, so atrocious that I think they're going to, you know, do uh, struggle to, to keep up with Georgia in that game. Uh, let's see. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Let's see. Questions, comments. Um, I do see some Pickens stuff. Uh, so I guess we can address that. Uh, Mark McDowell asks, what is the status on Arik Gilbert? Uh, we don't know about the scholarship situation. Arik Gilbert's not with the team right now, and it doesn't look like he's going to be back with the team at any point in time. And soon, uh, I'd be pretty surprised if we see him in a Georgia uniform at some point this season. Um, and to M Turner's question, I'd probably rather see Pickens though. I'm not, I'm not certain you're going to see either And the Pickens thing. It sounds like from a health standpoint, he's getting closer. We'll probably find out a lot more about Pickens and where he is health wise going into that Florida week, because that's sort of the, the week that Kirby had outlined, especially with the Debod Wilson injury. But I do think that with Pickens, you know, he's got the NFL to look forward to. He's got his own personal decision to make here. And, and while, you know, obviously, I think he would help this Georgia ride receiving core. He's also got his own individual goals to look out for as well there. So uh, I've always sort of kept the mindset, I'll believe it when I see it with George Pickens. And so when I do, I, I think potentially see him on the field, I, I think that'll be an interesting look to give to this uh, to this Georgia passing offense here. Um, Tennille Calvino asked, yeah, Jeff and I will be there on hand for Oscar Delp's uh, announcement at 650 at West Forsyth High School. Uh, let's see, Scott Harris. This is a, this is a good point. This is Kentucky's first real test. Uh, their schedule has not been great so far this year. And while yes, they're coming off big wins against Florida and LSU, those games were both at home at Kroger field up there in Kentucky. This is on the road. It's going to be a charged up atmosphere. Game day is going to be in town. I think the Georgia fans know going forward that every time Georgia plays in Sanford Stadium, one, it's an event to go watch this team play because I, I believe this team is absolutely special. But two, you know, there was a lot of hand-wringing this offseason about this home schedule. And, oh, it's not that good. It's Arkansas. It's Kentucky. It's Missouri. It's South Carolina. And you've got two top 15 games. You've had game day in town twice. So for those that, you know, criticize this Georgia home schedule, this is a kind of game that you dream about having. And I think the fans are going to know that and take advantage of that and make themselves heard. And, you know, as this game inches closer to the fourth quarter, it might be a chance to light up Sanford Stadium there and be a really cool atmosphere on Saturday against Kentucky and a chance to, to show out and continue to show that Georgia is an elite program and an elite atmosphere. Um, let's see. Other questions, comments you guys have so far? Um, Jeff Horton, uh, I would not say uh, George Pickens is a top fifth pick. That's a that's a bit of a stretch in my opinion. Um, let's see. Uh, TC Colorado, this is a good question. Will Burton be back from Saturday? And we can use this to jump off to the rest of the questions here about uh, uh, the injuries. Kirby Smart said he was hopeful to get Jermaine Burton back. Jermaine Burton is working with a groin injury. I have him listed as sort of questionable. We'll see where he is. We'll see how much he is able to play this Saturday. Arian Smith sort of has that same designation. It does sound like George is going to get Marcus Rosemey Jack St. back. He was able to play in an emergency last week with an ankle injury. It, it sounds like he's probably probable if you have to give him an injury designation this week. Dominic Blaylock is probably doubtful at this point in time, still dealing with that hamstring injury. Uh, you know, 
you, you wonder now maybe the Florida game is the more real, realistic target there for him. I don't think we're going to see Amir Speed this week. He's got an ankle injury that he's dealing with, and Kirby Smart sort of gave a similar doubtful outlook for Speed there. Chris Smith, questionable, but I would probably lean to him more not playing because of the shoulder injury that he's dealing with, and Georgia might choose to rest him for the Florida game where he should be back and ready to go for that. Jamari Sawyer, it does sound like he's going to play. He was dealing with an ankle injury, and it didn't swell up for Kirby, so things sound positive there. And then the biggest question, JT Daniels, it sounds like he's made progress towards that lat injury and gotten sort of healthier there. And I had sort of suspected late last week that the Kentucky game was probably the game he was going to come back for. And, you know, we'll hear from Kirby Smart in a little over an hour from now, but I would probably lean towards JT being healthy enough to play and start. However, saying that, I do think there's probably a good chance you see Stetson in that game because Stetson Bennett has played really well. There's absolutely no denying that, uh, especially given what he did against Auburn. And he does make things difficult for opposing coaches to prepare for. I think those run plays, while you know Georgia's not running him every player all that often, I do think that if you're using him in sort of a package role where those run options are a possibility – I think that presents a more, a more dangerous way to put Stetson out there. And obviously you worry about the rhythm and affecting it JT and also Stetson there as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if we sort of see a platoon system at quarterback this weekend. But I do think as of 515 on Tuesday, I do think JT Daniels is probably the guy that starts under center. Uh, Jimmy Durham, am I concerned about special teams? A few more mistakes and misses than we are seeing. Um, you know, Jackpot Leslie he did miss another field goal. I believe he is now five of eight on the year from uh, or six of either five of eight or six of nine off the top of my head there. It looked like he had turned the corner there a little bit. He did bounce back and make some field goals in that game after an earlier miss. Um, so I, you know, you see the concerns there. Jake Kamart is still a fantastic punter. I would point out that if there is a concern there, you know, with the mere speeds injury and Arian Smith's injury. Georgia's missing its two starting gunners, the guys that run down there and go field the ball and prevent the ball from, you know, rolling into the end zone there. And so I, I am interested to see as those guys miss time, how does that impact the special teams game? Because those guys play just as big of a role as Kamara does as far as booting it down there. Uh, kickoff return, we, you know, Georgia's defense has been so good, we haven't really seen a whole lot there from them. And I do think when Kiaris Jackson has returned punts, he's proven to be a guy who, well, he hasn't broken one yet. He can churn out eight, nine, 10 yards. And if you look at sort of the analytics behind it, if you're able to, to incrementally increase those yardage outputs from five yards to 10 yards to increase starting field position, it does make a significant dif- difference and expected points at it. So I'm not concerned with this Georgia special teams unit. You know, the Podlesny kick thing, he's still more accurate than he's not. He, he's made big kicks before. Uh, I have trust and belief in where Jack is going to be in, in going forward. So I understand why there are concerns out there. But I think Pod Leslie is going to get it figured out and is someone that we can count, that the Georgia team can count on, as you saw last year against Cincinnati when he made the big kick there to end the game. Um, let's see. Other questions and comments. Um, do I think Georgia pitches another shutout on Saturday? Uh, oh, this past Saturday of the game. No. Um, you know, Auburn did some nice things there. Uh, that opening drive, they, they were aggressive. They went for it twice on fourth down there. I do think that Auburn team showed that there are certain ways you can attack this Georgia defense. Unfortunately, they didn't have the wide receivers to really take advantage of it. And I think Bo Nix did a good job of extending plays there. You know, Auburn only gave up four sacks in that game, and they were lucky it wasn't closer to eight with the way that Georgia pass rush had played in that game and the way Bo Nix had been able to scramble. But I do think Auburn showed some areas that that this team – 
can be attacked and there are some weaknesses there or some ways that you're able to move the ball. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that goes coming forward. Um, Michael Porter, Lewis scene is fine. Uh, he came back into the game. Obviously, I think he just had the wind knocked out of him when he, an Auburn player had gotten hit in him. He came back into the game against Auburn. He's actually set to speak to the media tonight, which is always a, a very clear indication that he's going to be good and ready to go. Um, let's see. Uh, Lennox, Draco, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name there. Will Brock Bowers be a part of the offense more? I do think he's still going to play a big role, and he had a big catch early on in that game there uh, against Auburn. And it'll be interesting to see as Georgia, you know, theoretically gets guys back healthy. We've been saying that for a while now, whether that ends up happening. Um, he's still a key part of what this Georgia team does. And I think Georgia, you know, even with the wide receiver injuries – the ability to have Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers out there, I, I think is going to play a really important role for the Georgia team going forward in this passing offense. And while he's not, you know, producing the way he did against South Carolina or UAB earlier in the season, I still think he's a valuable weapon and in someone that Georgia is going to be able to get the ball to um, when it wants to. Uh, let's see. Questions. Yeah. Uh, so the Sacred Grove brings this up. I think Todd Munkin has just done an unbelievable job. Uh, calling this Georgia offense this year, calling plays. It hasn't mattered about the personnel. He has found ways to to attack opposing defenses. This Georgia team is averaging close to 40 points a game, and that's with all the injuries that they've had on the offensive side of the ball. I think that speaks very impressively about what Munkin is able to do in getting the most out of the skilled players that he has out there. And even the quarterback runs. You know, Stetson's not running around the whole game. They're not running him as, even as much as, say, they are Bo Nix. But he has used Stetson Bennett's legs at key times on key third downs uh, or very early that first play against Arkansas to sort of adjust the way that these defenses uh, attack this Georgia offense. Uh, Todd Munkin has, is far and away the best offensive coordinator Georgia's, Georgia has had in quite some time. And I think he is a, an extremely overqualified college offensive coordinator – but he is worth absolute every penny and is showing why I think it was right by Kirby to, to move on from James Coley after one year and go out and get a guy who can make an absolute difference when calling up schemes and designing plays. Um, let's see. Other comments, questions? Um, let's, let's keep going. Um, let me grab a water here. Um, let's see. Uh, William Gray asks, do you think Mitchell and Washington are about to blow up and be our top receivers? I think Mitchell is the next pickings for us. Uh, that touchdown catch that he had on Saturday, the route that Adonai Mitchell ran in that game was really, really impressive, especially from a freshman. And we'd also, it'd be fair to point out here that Lad McConkey is a guy that has just Say what you want about him as a, in the way that he looks. That dude is an athlete. That dude makes plays and continues to do so. And I think has shown that he is clearly much better than I think a lot of people thought he was going to be coming into college. And so having said all of that, uh, you know, Washington, I, I don't think so. I think Georgia likes the role that they have carved out for him right now where he's going to get two to three, four passing pass catching opportunities a game and you factor in with how dominant he is as an inline blocker I think that's a great role for him to be in and Mitchell we'll see it as Jermaine Burton comes back as Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint potentially comes back and I'll pull up a question here uh from the Green Soldier uh Rosemey is far and away the closest to being back I expect to see him out there on Saturday Burton sounds questionable I would say the same with Arian Smith there 
Um, Dominic Blaylock, I don't expect back. George Pickens, we'll hope to find out more about where he is going into that Florida game. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jimmy Durham, you know, again, Tennessee's got Tennessee's next two games are against Ole Miss and Alabama. So this could certainly change a lot, but with what I've seen these past couple of weeks with what Tennessee has been able to do offensively, give me Tennessee here. I know Florida is the more talented team. I know they went toe to toe with Alabama, but this Tennessee team, and that game is in Tennessee, whereas Jacksonville is a neutral site. And don't tell me that is a home game for Florida because it is not. Uh, that game being in Tennessee, that's going to be a charged up atmosphere there in Knoxville. This team has played well. They're going to be pushing for a bowl game. They do some nice things offensively. So right now, the more dangerous game, especially because by that point, you know, if Georgia beats Kentucky this weekend, Georgia could have wrapped up the SEC East at that point in time when they play when they play Tennessee there because that's the last SEC game of the season. And so you do wonder and worry where that team's head might be, especially given you have Charleston Southern the next week there. You know, that's obviously a cakewalk game. And so I, I do think it'll be interesting to see where Georgia is at mentally going into that Tennessee game as well, whereas Florida, they're coming off a bye. You have last year where they lost that game. So I, I think that Georgia is absolutely going to be rocking and ready to go there uh, in Gainesville on October 30th. Um, let's see. Questions, comments. Um, let's keep going. Uh, Robin McCullough asked, what is uh, Jamari Sire's status? It sounds like he's going to be able to go, and I'll be interested to see where they play him because – I think one of the really nice stories that you like coming out of that Auburn game was how well Broderick Jones played there in the second half. Georgia had been wanting to get him into the game and wanting him to, to, to get into that offensive line. But when they ultimately needed to throw him in there, when Jamari Sario went down with an ankle injury, Jones stepped in and played really well. Uh, you know, I, Georgia only gave it one sack last week and it wasn't really on the offensive line. It was just a, it was more a coverage sack than anything else. And in the second half, when Georgia was able to ice the game away by running the ball, Broderick Jones was a key part of that. And so you wonder now, hey, if Jamari's 100% and ready to go, or at least able to go, and I think that you will see that this weekend, do you maybe move Jamari now finally down to guard and you have Broderick Jones as your left tackle and sort of see how that offensive line develops and gels going forward? Because while, while yes, they played well in the second half there, I wonder if that's more about a, a depth and a conditioning level for Georgia than it is a statement of how good that offensive line is because they were only averaging two yards per carry there in the first half. So some things I still want to see from this Georgia offensive line going forward, but I think you have to like with what you saw out of Roderick Jones in that last game going forward. If he's doing that, you really like what's going on there with that Georgia offensive line. But I do expect Jamari Sawyer to be able to play on Saturday. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Corey York, uh, Jermaine Burton's dealing with a groin injury. That is why he did not play last week against Auburn. Um, Jacob Phillips. No, I, I think Arkansas and Kentucky are similar teams. Uh, I, I think I probably like Arkansas a little bit more. Uh, Kentucky is actually missing two of its defensive tackles this week, which is not something you want against a Georgia team that it wants to be physical. They're missing their number two wide receiver, which I think is going to make it easier to key in on Wandale Robinson. Uh, you know, I don't know if Robinson is better than Traylon Burks, but Georgia, I think, did a really effective job there against Burks that day. I think KJ Jefferson is a better quarterback than Will Levis. Uh, Levis is a good athlete, but uh, he, he does not 
frighten me in the way, or not frightens, maybe not the right word, but I don't think he frightens this Georgia defense, uh, perhaps in a way that KJ Jefferson did. And so because of that, uh, I would rather, I, I think I would take KJ Jefferson and Arkansas over Kentucky um, and what they're able to do. Though Mark Stoops is a great coach and has done a great job with that Kentucky program, building it up, developing it where it looks like this year, there's a real good chance that they're the number two team in the SEC East. And if, if LSU wants to move on from Ed Ogeron, I think Mark Stoops is the perfect coach to come down there and take over that job and build LSU into a place where it can recruit, it can develop, it can be a consistent year in year out power. Um, and I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, let's see. Yeah. So Keith McCants or on your question here, I think you do see Jamari. Sorry. I think you maybe see him at right guard this week and they sort of move Warren Erickson back to that six offensive lineman status. And you have Roderick Jones taking over there at left tackle. I think that'll be really interesting to see. Let's see. Uh, Green Soldier, how much would I pay uh, Munkin to stay at UGA? Whatever he asks for. Uh, he is he's absolutely worth whatever whatever Georgia is paying him. He's probably underpaid, quite frankly, uh, in terms of Sally and what he has done with this Georgia offense. Um, obviously, when it comes to assistance, they're going to leave. You look at Mel Tucker and the job he's now doing at Michigan State. You look at the job Sam Pittman is doing there at Arkansas. Even Shane Beamer doing some nice things there year one at South Carolina. Dan Lanning's going to leave. Todd Munkin's going to leave. I don't know if it's this offseason. Certainly if the defense keeps playing the way that it is, someone's going someone's gonna to try and hire Dan Lanning uh, to be their head coach because he's an excellent recruiter. He's done a great job tweaking this defense. I think you've seen a, them become more aggressive each and every year as they sort of match the talent there with the personnel that they're calling. And you're not going to be able to keep these guys forever. But Georgia's done, I think, a really good job of identifying young assistant coaches because, again, remember, at, at one point in time, Dan Lanning was hired as the outside linebackers coach, and there wasn't really a whole lot known about him. And he has absolutely crushed it, moving his way up the coaching ladder. And I do think he's going to be a head coach as soon as this offseason. But you've got a guy like Glenn Schumann who seems poised to become that next defensive coordinator for Georgia. As far as Todd Munkin, someone's going to hire him away. Uh, you know, I think he's an incredible offensive mind. I think someone smart should hire him to run their program. If LSU wanted to hire him, I think that'd be really interesting as well there given he does have head coaching experience, though it is at the group of five level. He's worked in an NFL before where you look at LSU's most recent success. It was with Joe Brady, who's an NFL offensive coordinator right now and going to be an NFL head coach going forward. So you're not going to be able to keep Munkin and Lanning forever. I would say if Georgia wins a national title, if Georgia's the number one team in the country, if they're undefeated going into that game or going uh, at coming out of the SEC championship game, Todd Munkin and Dan Lanning are probably getting hired elsewhere. And that and that's just the reality of what it is. And George is going to have to deal with it. Kirby Smart's going to have to find replacements there. I think Buster Faulkner is a name to watch there at the offensive coordinator position. Uh, he's been an analyst who's been on the staff for the last two years, knows Munkin very well and that system there. So I, I think that's sort of a name to watch. But you're going to lose assistance. You're going to lose Munkin and Lanning at some point in time. And that's the tax you pay for having them be as good as they are at the jobs that they're doing, you've seen that happen now. And so if, if they leave at the end of the year, I think they'll probably stay through the national championship run because I think that's something that is valuable to both of them, but you, you can't hold on to these guys forever. Uh, let's see. 
Timmy the Jackson, right now, yeah. Uh, Stetson Bennett is a better option than Brock Vandergrift. Now, next year, is that going to be the case? I don't think so. I, I think if I had to go right now, Brock Vandergrift is probably your starting quarterback next year, week one against Oregon. That guy is an incredible talent, and he's adjusting right now, making the adjustments to the college game. And so you see Caleb Williams and him come in and play as well as he did for Oklahoma this past Saturday. I, I think Vandergriff is similarly talented or at least close enough talented to Williams and what he's able to do. And he, even more than Bennett, is a very capable running threat that's going to make things very interesting uh, for this Georgia offense in years to come. But right now, Stetson Bennett is, is maybe even an overqualified backup. There are some quarterbacks in the SEC you'd probably take Bennett o, uh, over some starters at some other programs. So Stetson Bennett is a – proving even to be a really good number one option, though I think at the end of the day, Georgia is still going to ride with JT Daniels. Let's see. Uh, Scott Harris, landing LSU a possibility. I don't know about that. I think they want to go offense, just given what you saw with Joe Brady in 2019. That's probably where they're going in. I, I don't uh, With the way the Ogeron tenure has turned out, obviously they won the national championship, but there's been a lot of off-field missteps there. I'm not sure they're going to want to go in and get a guy who it will be his first head coaching job. I think they want to compete and, and earn things early on there. Uh, Kevin, Hugh, Hugh Freeze could certainly be a name to watch there at LSU, though, given some of the baggage that he has coming off what they did with Ogeron. I don't know that for sure. Uh, yeah, Javon Perry. Yeah, we're going early today. Um, I have a commitment later on tonight, so I'm not going to be able to do my usual time at 8 o'clock. But we're answering all your questions, comments, thoughts you guys have. We've turned it over to you guys tonight. You guys have done a really good job with questions, asking things. We touched on quarterback status for this weekend, sort of recapping that quickly here. I think JT is going to start, but I think Stetson's going to play as well. Injury situation, a lot of questionables. I do think we see Jamari Sire. I do think we see Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint. I don't think we see Amir Speed. I don't think we see George Pickens, and I don't think we see Dominic Blaylock. The other guys, Chris Smith. Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, those guys are all questionable, and we'll see how they develop over the course of the week. Let's see. Anthony Ingram, I, I don't think USC is going to go after Lanning because similar to LSU, I, I think they want an established head coach there uh, to come in and turn things around and get things going rather quickly. And if you're bringing in Lanning – Lanning, as you saw with Kirby Smart, there's a little bit of learning on the job that happens early on there. So while I think Lanning could one day be a guy capable of running a program like USC, I don't think the card that's in the cards right now. Let's see what other questions, comments we got here. Uh, Jacob Phillips. So it's not just if Vandergriff is starting game one next year, it's does Stetson come back another year because he does have another season of eligibility. Uh, Carson Beck's got a really interesting next couple of months here, just given, you know, a lot of people thought he was the number two quarterback coming out of spring. He certainly looked that way, but it's clear as day that Stetson Bennett is a better option for this team. And so how Carson Beck sort of reacts to this and develops going forward, I think he's going to be interesting to watch. I was not very impressed with what I saw against UAB there. That interception he threw, I know it was a blowout, but that's just a bad interception, uh, and you can't really have stuff like that. And granted, it was his first start, and he's allowed to get better, and I do think we'll see him get better. But it'll be a very interesting next couple of months for Brock Vandergriff there. Let's see. Now, now I see uh, questions about is Emory Jones um, – is Stetson better better than Emory Jones? That's how I know we've gotten deep in the comments section here. 
let's see. Questions, comments. We'll maybe go about another 10 minutes here. Uh, Jerry Dogs fan, which team is better, Cincinnati or Iowa? Probably Cincinnati. I trust Cincinnati's offense a little bit more. Iowa's defense is fantastic. They do an unreal job of forcing turnovers, but I don't know how replicable that is. And at some point, you know, with what we know about football and the ability to force turnovers, there's an, air, there's a, an element of randomness to it. And so because of that, you wonder what happens to this Iowa team if they're not forcing three to four turnovers. And I do think they probably would have lost to Penn State if Sean Clifford hadn't gotten hurt. So you have that out there, and we'll see going forward what this Iowa team does. They, they don't play a very tough schedule until the Big Ten championship game. I expect them to win the Big Ten West. So they, they got that nice win over Penn State, but going forward – uh, it'll be interesting to see how people view Iowa because they were very reliant on turnovers. Their defense is fantastic, don't get me wrong, but this offense has a lot of questions. And while I'm not a huge Desmond Ritter fan, I like what Cincinnati has a little bit more. And, and the rest of the way, Cincinnati is going to play a more different, difficult schedule than Iowa. They got SMU at least one time. They got UCF, I believe, this week. So they're going to still play some quality teams. Uh, Mark McDowell, this is a good question. I think that Georgia's got a chance to finish number one in the recruiting rankings. Uh, if they land some of the big fish that are still out there, Kamari Wilson, Jaheim Singletary, Luther Burden, in addition to Oscar Delp, who's announcing tomorrow night, uh, Ernest Green out from California. If they land some of the bigger recruits and Georgia signs the number of prospects, I think they're going to sign because the NCAA is sort of, I believe they're going to change the the initial counter rule and, and sort of give teams relief with the extra year that COVID presented so that they're able to sign some more guys. So you could possibly see Georgia signing close to 30 guys in this class. When you factor in the number of talented players Georgia's going to sign, I think there's a real chance that Georgia has the number one class in the country this year. Uh, Steve Burke, uh, to my knowledge, Stetson Bennett has another year of eligibility if he so chooses to use it. And so that'll be, that'll be an off-season storyline to follow there. Uh, so William Gray, I'll push back here on what you're saying a little bit. Yes, he is a, a unique talent, but he's not Kyle Pitts. He is not the receiver that Kyle Pitts is. Uh, I don't think we need to question Kirby. I think the way that, that Darnell Washington, who, mind you, is coming off a foot injury right now and is slowly making his way back into game shape, is worth watching there. He, his biggest strength right now, it's not what he does as a receiver. It's how he impacts the, the running, the run blocking and the pass blocking for this team. He's a developing and promising pass catcher. I think you, we all saw that first catch he almost had on the sideline there. He's a big-bodied guy, but he's not going to be someone who is racking up Travis Kelsey-like stats at the next level. I, I think he, he, his, his strength is quite literally his strength and size, and so he's not the athlete that Brock Bowers is. I, I think Brock Bowers right now is probably a better receiving option than Darnell Washington. But Darnell Washington is still a heck of a player and how Georgia has used him so far to get the most out of his abilities as he's developing as a college player, I think is a big plus and why you might see Georgia land a guy like Oscar Delp tomorrow. Uh, Dave Riddle, what is my prediction for Saturday? <sighs> maybe 31-10, maybe 41-10 if JT Daniels plays and they get some of these receivers back. Uh, I think this I think I think Arkansas is a better team than Kentucky. And so because of that, I think you could see this Georgia team put up a similar sort of score line that you did against Kentucky. Now, I don't know if Georgia's going to get a special teams touchdown like they did against against the Razorbacks, but I think this Georgia team, this game on Saturday could get ugly for Kentucky. 
Because, in, well, yes, they, they did beat Florida. They needed a blocked field goal that was returned for a touchdown to do so. Florida had eight false start penalties in that game. Kentucky only had 211 yards of offense in that game, and Georgia's defense is better than Florida's. So I, I think this Kentucky team could really struggle on Saturday. Uh, one thing I would point out here, Lad McConkey is a redshirt freshman. He's not a true freshman, but – I think he's a really – so his quickness and understanding of the game, this guy is an unreal athlete, and he has developed very quickly as a wide receiver for Georgia. Uh, let's see. Brian Alley. So Tyke Smith did play this past week, and you know as he gets closer and closer to game shape, I do think we're going to see a little bit more of him. Maybe they move Latavius Breen to safety, and they put Tyke Smith there at star. But as Kirby has said time and time again – for Tyke to see the field, he's got to start outplaying Latavius Brini, who Auburn Auburn went after, and I think more often than not, Latavius held his own out there. So Tyke Smith is on this roster. He's healthy enough to play. He traveled. We saw him briefly last week when Lewis Seen went out, but Tyke is still similar to Darnell Washington making his way back from that foot injury. Uh, let's see. Let's maybe do one or two more questions here. And, yeah, this is a good point here uh, from Big Dom. Tyke Smith does have a few more years of eligibility. So I, I think he's a guy who could take on a much bigger role for Georgia next year when a guy like Latavius leaves and Georgia probably has to replace starting safeties in Chris Smith and Lewis Seen. Brandon Griffin, Dom, uh, Dom status. I'm assuming that's Dominic Blaylock. Don't expect to see him on Saturday. He's still dealing with a hamstring injury there. Let's keep going. When Turner Strickland, so he sort of uh, actually, I'm, I'm going to go Scott Harris's question here first. Over under false starts on Saturday for Kentucky. So in the last Georgia home game, Arkansas had five. So I'd probably set it at three and a half because that Georgia was intentionally trying to make that a special atmosphere, and I think they want a special atmosphere this Saturday. But that was a unique noon atmosphere that I don't think we're ever going to see again, and so. This Georgia team, it's going to be loud, but I think this Kentucky team knows that they're going to have to prepare to be that way and prepare for it. And they've played in Sanford Stadium before, whereas Arkansas really had not done that in quite a while. So I don't think there's quite the same level of intimidation there. Let's see. Um, let's see. A lot of Gilbert questions. Again, I answered those earlier. One thing that's that's worth keeping in mind there, he's not with the team. I don't expect him to be back really at any point soon going forward. Let's see if we can get one more good question in here. Um, I see some score predictions. I see some people are saying it better be just as loud as last. I, it's still going to be a rocking environment. Uh, it's Jacob Phillips, yeah. So this this is a good one that, we're, that we will end on tonight. Uh, he asked, can UGA affect the passer effectively? Kirby Smart has said that this Kentucky offensive line is the best offensive line Georgia has played to date. And that is something you take very seriously. But this Georgia defense, to, to use a cliche, is just built different. Uh, Jalen Carter is a monster Adam Anderson is maybe the best pure pass rusher 
not just in the SEC, but perhaps all of college football. Nolan Smith is really effective when 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 he's asked to get after the passer there. Kobe Dean is an elite blitzer and someone who has picked up sacks in, in a hurry here this year. So I do think that this Kentucky team is the closest they've seen to having an effective and capable offensive line, but I'm still betting on the Georgia defense here. I still think this Georgia defense is too good, and I think that's sort of what we're going to see there on Saturday. Don't, I'd be surprised – if Kentucky is able to top 13 points in this game again, they might get some short fields because of some possible turnovers and they might take some of what Auburn did a week ago. Wondell Robinson is a name to know there for a wide receiver for Kentucky. He's a speed guy. And you saw the speed problems that Josh Van gave this secondary. Uh, They do have two good running backs, uh, Chris Rodriguez and Cavassier smoke, but this Georgia front seven is I think as good as any that we have seen in college football in a long time. And because of that, I I think Kentucky's really going to struggle to score and move the ball on Saturday. So that's our show for tonight. Uh, we did it a little early. This went really well, guys. Thanks for tuning in. You guys asked a bunch of great questions. Hopefully we were able to answer them and keep you guys updated and informed on what you wanted to know. Kirby Smart is set to speak here in about 45-ish minutes. So make sure to check out um, – uh, Mike Griffith, and he'll have content for you guys for that coming out of that. Tomorrow, as I mentioned off the top of the show here, Oscar Delp is set to announce his commitment decision, 6.50 Eastern time. Dog Nation will be there covering it live. You can watch it on the same channels you're watching this right now. So make sure to tune in for that. Jeff, Jeff Sintel and I will both be on hand, and it will be, I think, a big night for Georgia. Oscar Delp, the number 97 overall prospect, number three tight end. Georgia's number one target there at that position for a while. We'll have cover four on Thursday. It should be interesting. I thought last week's was as good of a cover four as we've had in a while. Uh, obviously, you have Brandon Adams every Monday through Friday. Mike Griffith on the beat on on Mondays. You have Georgia, number one team in the country for the first time during the regular season since 1982, first time in my lifetime, playing number 11 Kentucky at 330. Should be a lot of fun. I expect it to be a loud Sanford Stadium environment. I think it's going to be an absolute blast on Saturday. I expect another Georgia win, and I – you think that if they're able to start getting healthier and use this bye week to their advantage, you think they could be really well set up for a, a, a special second half run of the season there. So my name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor in coverage. We did it early tonight. You guys stepped up and delivered. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This was great. We'll probably be back at our normal time, 8 p.m. next week. But it was good to know that you guys absolutely tuned out and did a great job today. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been Connor in coverage, a Dog Nation production.